five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh from the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. I ran across this publication, Print Week, and believe it or not, they must not talk about mail much at all because I've been doing this show for three years and I've been searching for articles on direct mail and uh, this is the first time I remember seeing them, which is unconscionable probably. But anyway, that's the way it is. That's the way our industry is. You know, we don't want to talk about mail. Um, and so, and we'll be explaining that in a minute when we get to Ritson's next article. But JCI Mail, which is the joint industry currency for ad mail. Never heard of that either, amazingly. Um, that there's actually a group that studies how people react to mail in their house. So if any of you have heard of this, you know, let me know. Um, I'm going to dig into it a little bit more, but I'd love to, I'd love to know if any of you are members or subscribe to their research. I'd like to know what else we can find about mail. Anyway, um, they claim that um, the ad mail market is rebounding and they actually measure mail volumes to a panel uh, and it's up about 51%. It says down here, JCI mail data is gathered from a panel of a thousand households every month, kind of like Nielsen used to be anyway. And the mail activity of every household member is tracked using a diary-based app. Every mail item they receive over the course of a week is captured and everything they do with that mail item it, over the course of the month is recorded. Okay. So we have a, a very interesting perspective long term over the the way ma mail interacts in a household, much like, as I said, the Nielsen, you know, ad it used to be diaries. You'd keep track of what shows you watched. And that was how advertising was sold uh, based on the number of people who said they were watching a show um, that drove the price of advertising of TV advertising. So now let's go over to Mark Ritson, and, and I have to admit, um, I was a little concerned because this article took a long time to to get going, okay? And uh, maybe it's the <laughs> maybe it's the title, I don't know. But this is a picture of Facebook's just recently announced Horizon Workrooms, and Ritson's takes half the article talking about how terrible this is. And one reason, or several of the reasons are, I, I got a kick out of it too, because he says, you know, if you go on a Zoom call, you know, and you don't happen to, in the rare case, you don't happen to have the software, you have to download it. I don't like downloading software of any sort. Um, I don't like Zoom. I like Google Meet, but I've noticed that more of my, of my friends have trouble with Zoom, with Google Meet, probably because it's free and their corporations use paid uh, video conferencing. Uh, but he, he also teases, he said, now if you're using Google Meet or you're using Zoom, you're probably already set up, but if you're using Microsoft Meet or Meeting, then it takes you 30 seconds to download it, 30 seconds to, 30 seconds to, go to the link 
30 seconds more to download the app. And if you're going to share your screen, 30 seconds more. And it was kind of comical. But anyway, this is kind of what it looks like, okay? You have this virtual boardroom. And you, you're supposed to scan your desk with your phone or your with your Oculus. And you scan your office. Don't scan my desk and office. I don't want anybody to know. I got a lot of stuff on here. I mean, it's important stuff. But... You know, it's stuff. Okay? A lot of stuff. Okay. It's always that way because I'm always a work in progress. Uh, and then you create an avatar. I mean, you have to buy the 600-pound, or 300-pound. Oh, there's Keith. Good. Um, VR device. You have to buy this, this hood that you wear. And he says, I can just see the CEO of a major corporation putting on this hood for four hours of meetings. No, not going to happen. And the the other thing about this is that you can't tell who's really there and who isn't. You can walk away. And your your little your little person here is still uh, still looks like they're in the room, still looks like they're watching. And that gets into um, some of the some of the it requires a headset. Uh, imagine here's the thing about Microsoft Microsoft Teams. He says it works terrible, Keith. So if you like it, I have had terrible success with it. The funniest part is uh, my friends at Homaker used it, and uh, I thought, well, if I've got Windows 10 on this machine, if if Microsoft Teams is a Microsoft product, I'll I'll bring it up with Edge, which I never use. But I thought, well, I'll try it. It doesn't work in Edge. It, I think it needed to use Chrome. <laughs> So that was funny, Microsoft. Anyway, so you got to buy this expensive VR helmet or headset, and uh, and Ritson says it'll die because it's simply not contagious enough. Ironically, but the biggest thing is is that is that uh, he said have have any of these people who developed this ever been in a meeting before? Uh, you know, part of the thing that works about Google Meet or Zoom is you don't see everybody's whole office. You see their head, but you also see their expressions. You see their connection. You see whether they are looking like they are interested in your proposal or they're not or they're going to get coffee. You know, I always turn my, my camera off briefly when I march over to the coffee pot. Um, another facet of business that escaped the workroom's development was faces, human faces. Most of us like to see the people we meet with. Um, they're nonverbal cues. He says, you know, everybody says 70% of communication is nonverbal. That's probably an underestimate. Anyway, so, but by then, by this time, I wasn't too excited about the article. Um, <laughs> in all my travels, I cannot remember anything less appealing or more appalling than the sanitized, curiously sociopathic environment that workrooms represents. So why would anybody want it? Five years from now, people are going to be able to live where they want, work where they want, but are going to be able to feel present as if they're together. He says, we've already got that. But it's stupidly conceived, hard to access, less enjoyable to use, devoid of human interaction, inferior to existing technology. How is it that Facebook could get this so horribly wrong? So then he includes an interview with Mike Zuckerberg, which I'm going to skip. 
But he said, in the final 10 seconds, Zuckerberg says, we think it's going to be a big use for VR. A decade ago, Facebook splashed out a billion dollars, two billion, on a VR headset company called Oculus. And uh, he saw Oculus, or he saw VR as the next big innovation. He knows that incredible dominance of Facebook in its current tech window cannot last much longer. Zuckerberg became product-oriented. And this is where the article starts to get great. Um, he said, a, Ted Levitt, there's a famous Ted Levitt quote, but, you know, people aren't buying a a power drill they're buying a hole the ability to make a hole what they need is a hole and they use a drill okay so what happens is uh, and he says in his mini MBA course he has a Levi executive who's who's charged with developing a new product at the beginning he listens attentively to focus groups quant data as if his life depends on it, learning, understanding, and being surprised by every glimmer of customer interaction. But he gradually loses the marketing plot and becomes deaf to the counter-arguments from customers, colleagues, and his ad agency. But when they see the product that they, are cur that they currently do not want, and they will understand how much they want it. <laughs> yeah, okay. It blinds us to the voice of the customer when you become product-focused. And why I'm sharing this is because I'm guilty of it. You know, I've been trying to promote mail. People don't want mail. What they want is new customers. We're going to get to that in a second. You know, they want a breakthrough. They want their advertising to be seen. And we got to remember that, you know. we got to remember that as an industry we got to remember that mail isn't the product. Mail is just a vehicle. And there are other vehicles. And that's why I like this next article coming up. But anyway, Facebook, with all Facebook's power and control, it's a prisoner to the ultimate boss of everything, the consumer. And the most powerful trait of any organization is its marketing obsession, Jeff Bezos says. At the organizational level, a capacity to bring the customer into the business and impact the decisions that are taken over time. Why they think the customers will need their product and what they actually think of it. The humility of marketing. And you know, just yesterday I reiterated, Amazon has some humility. They never said, we guessed what you were going to buy next. They never said, we do one-to-one -one marketing. They never have, they really don't. They say, we get it to you fast. We got a lot of warehouses. We'll get it to you. And when they tell you what they think you might like, they say, people who bought this also bought. They don't say, we got into your head. They said, other people bought what you just looked at, and they also bought this. There's a humility in that even though they have the biggest AI engines on earth. They don't claim that they can predict you. You can't even predict you. You need a special kind of paranoia for worst case scenarios and for evidence. That's what direct marketing gives you. That's why it works. There's a humility in it. When we do tests, and I mean scientifically valid testing, we listen to the marketplace and we let the marketplace tell us what they want. That is the core of direct marketing. 
that's the core and that's what's missing in so much of the digital space you know yeah they me measure the click-throughs but they don't usually attribute the causes because they didn't set it up right you got to isolate causal variables and they don't often look at the sale and they don't often look at the customer lifetime value the long term how long is this customer going to be with you and that is what we do in direct marketing we let the marketplace continually adjust our business and that's why companies like Land's End and L.L. Bean who've gone on forever and ever and ever and Hamaker Schlemmer because of those because of that feedback and to the extent that they listen they can modify their offerings you know we spent a lot of work last year about this time trying to decide if the if the uh COVID-19 customers, the customers that were flocking to our catalog for air filters, which is still probably the most effective thing you can do in, indoors, is a UV filter. And nobody's talking about that. That's the part that amazes me, is if you're really, really concerned, get a UV filter. It kills the viruses out of the air. That's how it travels. But anyway, is that customer the same? Well, if we keep this perpetual pandemic going it probably is you know I saw t today uh, the president of, of Pfizer said well don't worry if there's a new variation we'll give you a new booster do you understand that this is a subscription <laughs> pitch <laughs> when you sign up for the vaccine you're signing up for a perpetual prescription and uh, subscription I mean you got to get a new virus and you got to get oh here comes a new variation got to get a new boost what a great what a great marketing deal so anyway you know and it may work and it may not I'm not commenting on the uh, the efficacy I'm just stunned that they're admitting <laughs> that this is a subscription a perpetual vaccine subscription which is you know one of the great marketing ploys every month we'll send you a new bucket of steaks or something anyway so direct marketing and testing lets us lets us Put a finger on the pulse of the customer. Let's us continually reevaluate, readjust, and observe, and retest, and find new things to go on with. And if you then apply machine learning, you spot the anomalies even faster. Now, there's an even better article coming up, but I'm going to skip it for the, today and get back to tomorrow. So, Keith, I apologize. It's so you know I I thought I'd get to it, but you know, this humility of marketing is so crucial, and it's what the WDMA is preaching. And that's probably why I like Mark Ritson so much. So thanks, Mark, again. You surprised me at the end, and as usual, you came through and did not disappoint. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Let me get up here to this thing and let it expire. Bye-bye.